Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. A very good morning to you. You're just in time for Morning Shot. I'm Lin Lee. Singapore recently saw a mercury spike to 37 degrees Celsius, equaling a 40-year record for the highest daily maximum temperature. And we're not alone. Elsewhere in Asia, the blistering heat is also causing misery, not just to people who are heading out, but even more so for businesses that rely on the weather. In Vietnam, where the mercury has hit as high as 44 degrees Celsius, farmers are struggling to keep their animals cool, with many concerned that the extreme weather may make their livestock vulnerable to heat stress, ultimately affecting their growth and production. For a deeper analysis on the issue, we're joined by Professor Benjamin Horton, Director of the Earth Observatory of Singapore. Good morning, Professor. Good morning. Good to have you with us on Morning Shot. Before we dive deeper into the hot issue at hand, how are you personally coping with the heat? Well, the first thing I would say is that I was not surprised by the record heat. I wrote an article in 2019 in the Straits Times warning about Singapore and Southeast Asia breaking all records on heat. And then I repeated that warning in February of this year. Why I was able to do this is because when we think about certain types of heat waves, it's quite a simple case of arithmetic. Mm -hmm. So in Southeast Asia... Um, between the months of April and June are the warmest months of the year. So this is the inter-monsoon period where the skies are relatively cloudless, there are light winds, and therefore you get the effects of the direct solar radiation. The second thing to consider is what sort of state are we in in natural climate variability? So in the Pacific and the Indian Ocean, we're controlled by the El Nino Southern Oscillation. It has two phases. It has the La Nina and the El Nino. For the past three years, we've been in the La Nina phase. La Nina causes relatively wet weather. We've experienced that here in Singapore and relatively cool weather, suppressing the effects of human-induced climate change. We are now at a point where we're transitioning through to El Nino. Mm. So those suppressing effects of La Nina have gone. And then finally, we've got climate change. Globally, temperatures have gone up around one degree C, But here in Singapore, they've gone up around two to three times the global average in the last 40 years. So you have the warmest times of the year. You have natural climate variability where we've removed the cooling effects of La Nina. And now we also have the added enhanced effects of climate change. So how did I cope? Well, I was aware of this information. I'm also fortunate enough that I do not have to be outside at the hottest times Mm. of the day. But if I was outside, you always need to be hydrated. Mm. And if you're feeling any of the effects of heat stroke through fatigue, you need to escape to a cooling environment. Air conditioning always helps. How would you assess the extent of problems that the hot weather has brought about, not just to people, but businesses as well? Well, the effects of heat waves affect individuals, community, businesses, governments on a local, regional and even on a global scale. Many areas of the economic sector are going to be influenced by climate change through heat waves, Mm -hmm. especially, as you mentioned previously, in the agriculture or the construction. 
in economic sectors where they're outside. It is estimated that globally, year upon year, we're losing about 2% of total working hours every single year because it's either too hot to work or because workers are working at a slower pace. The second impact is that therefore you're also going to have increasing energy demands as we try to cool our businesses, our governmental offices or our residential homes. And we may now start to see that in our pockets. When we actually have a look at our energy bills in the months of April and May this year, we might find that they're much, much higher in our houses as a result of us trying to keep cool. This may not happen in Singapore, but this increased demand of cooling may affect the stability of the power grids. When we use cooling, what does that do? Well, that obviously puts more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, enhancing the impact of climate change. But perhaps in the short term, more importantly, we may have failure of power grids in certain regions. And that can have critical mm. impacts on our infrastructure, compounding the loss of productivity, increasing the cost of the energy sector and reduced ac access to life-saving cooling or medical care. So we may see over the next uh, three to five years new power infrastructure being put in all over the world to handle the demand for increased energy to cool, but also there should be some innovation looking at lower emission, lower heating technology. Let's look at Asia. What kind of trickle-down effects will such heat waves or climate change in particular have on the more vulnerable communities in this region? Well, that's not just Asia, that's mm -hmm. the world. When we think about climate change, it's always going to impact those less fortunate than ourselves. Exposure to extremes of heat results in a range of health consequences. Heat stress, heat stroke. Mm worsening heart disease, acute kidney injury. The vulnerable populations are those over 65 and newborn babies. Um, they are very, very prone to heat waves, and this is happening in increasing numbers. Some of the numbers are just staggering. Children under one now experience 600 million more person days of heat waves, and adults over 65... 3.1 billion more person days of heat waves in the last decade than they did in the decade between 1986 and 2005. Those numbers are simply staggering. So we're having an increasing number of our most vulnerable parts of the population being exposed to heat waves, which cause acute health problems. A very, very grim picture indeed. Professor, what then would you consider a reasonable heat action plan that governments should consider to ensure that people are well protected in the face of climate change? Well, the first one is to have a heat action plan that provides primary safeguards between heat waves and the loss of life and the loss of income. They are typically a standard procedure for like individual departments within the government, be that public health, to agriculture, to the energy sector. These heat plans need to be broad in scope and ambitious, and that's because heat waves can be far-reaching. They can extend for many days or weeks. They can cover a far larger area than it, they initially um, occurred in, so they can cover from a city to a region, um, to a whole sector of society. And there are also unpredictable consequences of heat waves. Heat waves can lead to drought conditions, so you have impacts on your food and your water supply. 
heat waves can lead to drought conditions, can lead to forest fires, and that can affect the very air quality that we breathe. Fortunately, Singapore has heat action plans and also has long-term measures such as the Cooling Singapore project. And that's because the government is knows of the acute problem here. They started this sort of conversation. Globally, temperatures have gone up around one degree C since pre-industrial values. But here in Singapore, really at the start of the birth of this nation, when we started to remove natural vegetation, where we removed our waterways and replaced them with concrete, we caused an urban heat island effect where the temperatures in Singapore are going up three times the global average. So the Cooling Singapore project is to try and look at how we return Singapore to the temperatures that existed before the urbanisation. So thinking about new innovative ways Mm. of design, incorporating nature into the community, into our building structures, thinking about airflow, thinking about water availability, thinking about shade and how we can get populations out of the direct heat. Professor, you were talking earlier about the transition from La Nina to El Nino. We're just wondering, on your recent research trip to Antarctica in February, was there any observable impact you saw there? And could you juxtapose that against some of the effects we're seeing here in Singapore, both on land and in our waters? So over the um, last couple of years, we've been in the La Nina phase of the El Nino Southern Oscillation. The El Nino Southern Oscillation affects people and places in the Indian Ocean and the Pacific Ocean. And La Nina has called cool, wet conditions suppress the influence of human-induced climate change. However, we're now transitioning into El Nino. There's around an 80% probability by the end of this year that we'll be in an El Nino state. So this time next year, April and May, the warmest times of the year, we'll have human-induced climate change and we'll have the warm phase of El Nino Southern Oscillation, El Nino. And this is when we're going to have record-breaking temperatures. The last time we had an El Nino in Singapore was in 2016, and it was only a minor one, but it caused the warmest ever annual temperatures that Singapore has ever recorded. It caused huge effects on marine life. It caused huge effects on our marine Um, um, huge effects on our water availability. And one thing your callers might be aware was that in 2016, we had horrendous air quality because Southeast Asia became very, very dry and it was set on fire, the peatlands and the rainforest, bringing over to Singapore very, very poor air quality. Before we let you go, the million-dollar question here, is there a ballpark figure you think will hit here in terms of temperatures, in terms of the heat? And is it more important to tackle or adapt to climate change? Back in 2019 and also earlier this year, that when we get into a full-blown El Nino, which is anticipated next year, we will break all records. The temperatures that we saw um, last week and the week before of around 37 degrees C, we will break those repeatedly, unfortunately. Now, I truly hope that I'm wrong, but as a climate scientist, when you start to add up the warmest times of the year, natural climate variability, and the pace at which we're increasing temperatures due to human-induced climate change, you can anticipate for the next five years we're going to get record-breaking temperatures. Past what do we do degrees? about I don't think it'll reach 40 degrees, but it's going to reach temperatures where if you're over 65, 
or we have a newborn baby, that it's going to be very, very dangerous to be outside. I mean, really dangerous. So we need to look after our parents, our grandparents. We need to look after our children. We need to adapt to climate change because it's not going away. That's mm. the thing. We cannot reverse what's happened because carbon dioxide as a gas stays in our atmosphere for hundreds of years. So it's going to take a long time for us to get back to the climates that we may have experienced in the 1960s, 1970s, or the 80s and 90s. Climate change is with us, so we need to adapt how we live. We need to adapt the city. And here in Singapore, we need to adapt to this high heat, high humidity, but also adapt to sea level rise. Thank you very, very much for your insights and perspectives, Professor. We've been speaking with Professor Benjamin Horton, Director of the Earth Observatory of Singapore at Nanyang Technological University. Thank you. Have a good day ahead. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.